Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Going Off Track. I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. And we're in Brad's beautiful apartment in the real Lower East Side. Eating real Lower East Side pickles. Eating real Lower Thank East you, Side Jonah. pickles. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> I'm sorry to not bring any Bialis this time. But That's okay. I will next time. Um, yes. Uh, today on the podcast, pretty special podcast. It is our first guest ever making a return and we figured this out during the podcast right he's not episode one he's not episode one but he was the first one to record with he's us. the first one to record and we held it for a while when we started this podcast we had a lot of episodes done before we started we, we weren't ready to launch we'd started recording because we knew we wanted to do it but it took us a long time to get our shit together like with just like the website with deciding on the name i mean yeah it took a long time for us to kind of launch which was the actu- business. actually good because then we didn't have like three podcasts and then you wait two months yeah so like, by the time we actually launched we had like 15 or 20 done i feel like yeah we'd been recording for four months I yeah think. so jonah was so this is jonah matranga obviously uh who was um in far uh you know he played under the name one line drawing was in new and original with norman brannon um and uh, yeah, Jonah was the first person to actually do it. And Brad, through his powers of organization and technology, figured out that we recorded this podcast almost exactly six years to the date yeah. of the first time, we, which is insane. Six years we've been doing it. It does this. not seem like it. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jonah is, you know, a friend of the podcast. Uh, he's, you know, me and Steven have known him a long time. And uh yeah, just such a great guy, and he just he's he uh, just wrote a book. It's called Alone Rewinding, and it's a really cool book. Um, I'm about halfway through it, and it's about kind of divided into sections of like a song he wrote, and then kind of like a little story about like where he was in life. And it's a lot about him being a father and sort of his career, and um, you know, Far getting signed to a major label. You know, Far, you know, kind of came up in the same scene as like the Deftones and that kind of stuff and um had the whole major label post hardcore thing and then Jonah did this whole solo thing and now he's written this book which is really amazing and he's just the kind of guy that's I feel like is just in it for the right reasons is just oh, kind yeah. of has this cult following that kind of supports him and uh you know he has this whole pay what you want model for his art and I feel like he's it's amazing he's he really can, amazing yeah he's just such a good guy that's how he can get away with it you know yeah he's a very <laughs> 
He's a very likable guy. I actually saw him play a couple nights later. Uh, he played Mercury Lounge. I couldn't make it, but he did a show at our friend's record store, which you guys should check out. It's called Limited to One Record. And uh, my friend Christian and his wife, and they're amazing. And it's uh, on East 10th Street between 1st and 2nd. But Jonah um, read a couple excerpts from the book and played a couple songs acoustic. And it was it was great. I mean, he's just like such a fantastic voice, such like a powerful presence. So, uh, yeah, six years later, Jonah Matranga is back. And we're so happy to have him. And, and he still has more to talk about. He still has plenty to talk about. So let's get into it. Before we do, let's quickly give a shout oh, out. Yes. Patreon.com slash going off track. Yes. We now have a, you know incentives for you to join the club. Get bonus episodes, get outtakes, get yes. some button stickers, T-shirts. That's all coming, but um, check it out, even if you're not ready to commit, because there's all different levels you can commit at. And yes. thank you all who have already done so. We've covered our uh, monthly expenses already, and that makes us very comfortable and guarantees that we have to keep doing this. Brad's wearing a jacket made out of gold. And you're not supposed to talk oh, Sorry. That. I mean, Brad's wearing an <laughs> Army-Navy jacket he got at a thrift store. No, uh, well, and this is interesting too because we kind of had talked about with Jonas. I was like, I was like, everyone does pay what you want now, but like you were doing this like 15 years ago, yeah, like with your it's merch, amazing. Like he kind of invented it, man. He invented it. Um, and also, uh, while we're shouting out, uh, Pulse Music, Pulse Music. Oh Th- yeah, thank you so much. All these are recorded at Pulse. All these are recorded at Pulse. If if you like the way they sound, which I'm sure you do, uh, they're recorded at Pulse. You can also record there and. Uh, we do this with Stephen Stephen Grywalski, who's an amazing, amazing producer and a great guy. So you can thank- call him the engineer. I'm the producer. You're the producer. Stephen's the engineer. <laughs> an amazing engineer. And uh, yes, so thank you to Stephen. Although he is a great producer. He is a great of producer. Music. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> thank you for pointing that out, Brad. Sorry, I'm not up on all the terms. But uh, okay. That's enough of that. Uh, Let's get into this with Jonah. This is a really fun episode, and uh, you can listen to it now. (laughs) Uh, Steven, so do you have something you want to say? Well, I I guess bringing it full circle. So this is... Our fir- last podcast? This is our last one. <laughs> it's We're about done. to be. Thank, thank, thank to all the patrons for Patreon. Uh, you sent us over the edge. We can retire. No. When when we first decided to do this. This podcast. Uh, this podcast. Uh, not this episode, but the podcast in general. Going off track, this podcast. Going this off track, this means. podcast. Well, the time was called Off Track. And oh, then right. somebody very smart said, no, ABC has something called Off Track. <laughs> you don't really want to mess with Disney. Just change the name. Um and so wish we had done that with the United Nations. <laughs> <laughs> but the first person we said we had to have on was uh today's guest, Mr. Jonah Matranga. Hey. Yeah. And I was wondering on the train right here, if because we recorded the episode way before we released it, like months before we released mm-hmm. it, if we actually might be on the on the what is it, three years now? Three year anniversary of the first recording? Dude, it's way more than yeah, that. I don't know it's what really, it's Dude, it's like six five. years. Yeah. Past five? Yeah. God. It's like six years. We've done like the first 270 release was something. Oh, wait a minute. You're right. I had children. Yeah. yeah. No, I was relevant, so it's a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was 2012. It was like either spring or late winter of 2012. I had an afro. Oh, my God. You yeah, <laughs> did have an afro. Yeah. He had hair. I had yeah. a career. Yeah. The music industry was a thing. You know way, dude. The music <laughs> industry is. But you've always, always, you've always been one of those people that has been 
like 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 towing the line. You're like you're you're the consistency of Jonah Matranga has been <laughs> since I first met you, which was in two thousand four. Had to be. I just started it. No, two thousand two. I just started at Fuse, and I went to um, the Jade Tree Showcase, right? No, it was no, before that. Before yeah, no, it that. was the Jade. It was I was working. I think it was the pierogi, the the Polish something something. That was it. It was at the Warsaw. It was the Jade Tree Showcase, and I was supposed to be interviewing you for CMJ. Mm-hmm. CMJ, no, no longer any kind exactly. of J. It's over. There's no college music. <laughs> and, um, and no music the- or college. It's called Southwest South now. <laughs> exactly. God. And I went and I went to the showcase and, and it was like you and the explosion, mile marker, something. mile marker, yeah. <laughs> um, Denali, oh. yeah, Denali played. Mm. Uh, it was a good showcase. And I went to the merch table, and you mm. were just there selling stuff. <laughs> and I introduced myself, and you're like, "Hey, I got to go." And I was like, "Okay." I didn't know where you went. And then there was a sign that just said, uh, "Pay what you want, gone to rock." And then I hear you on stage, and that that was it. And you were up on stage. But the first time I saw you was at Irving Plaza with From Autumn to Ashes, Planes Mistaken for Stars, yeah. and Thursday. Yeah. And you went out and I think did probably Mother Mary with him. Did Mother Mary with Thursday. I, was, I think I did something with From Autumn to Ashes as well. They were the one where the drummer sang, right? Yep. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fran. Fran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. It's You're, always been Jonah. Yeah. It's always been Jonah Matranga. And, and it's I, all in the book. I had a Jonah experience last year. I was on Jonah Ray's podcast <laughs> in LA and we called Jonah Matranga. Yes, yes. That we were was talking a good about moment. Jonah's and he was, I was like, I have Jonah's number and Jonah answered. So you can check that out on Jonah Radio. Yep. Jonah Radio. Yeah. And I just met Jonah Smith. I think he's a songwriter dude that's kind of going around. He's doing okay right now. But he didn't know of the power of Jonah. So we've got to bring him yeah, in. Yeah, there aren't a lot of us. No. More and more, but, you know. Yeah, we're, we're the originals. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that is true because it was always, if you mentioned Jonah, you would say Bayer and Matranga. Yep. It was always, which one? Yeah. Which one? Which always led to a lot of confusion whenever I was talking to anybody. Because yep. people knew how close I was with both of you. So like, what, who? I'm like, but they're, and now, then when United Nations was really going, actually even. Uh, I think at least one person has, I've had a text conversation that's gone on long enough before I've understood that it was for you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> happened a lot. So, Stephen, yeah. you were, you were, it, we, we recorded Jonah's podcast on October 12th, 2011. So oh, it's, it's almost. Wait, almost, what the fuck? We're so wow. close. Wait, what's <laughs> the date today? Oh my God. What's, what's even today? happening? Today's right the 17th. Now? Yeah. Wow. Wow. So almost it like, wasn't released oh. until much, much later, but. Uh, almost exactly six years ago. Holy shit. That's when it was recorded. Wow. It wasn't released until like, I think July or June or July of the next year. That is pretty wild. It's also, I don't know how you figured that out, Brad. <laughs> I, that was amazing. Yeah. It's Google Docs, baby. Wow. Google Docs, ladies and <laughs> Google Docs. Yeah, well, that means you had to enter it somehow. That's, that's what's remarkable about that. Yeah. Brad is ridiculously, ridiculously organized. No. So, Jono, <laughs> what are you doing in town? I am playing some shows. Yeah? Yep. Playing, uh, yeah, I'm going to do a Brooklyn thing at a thing place called Wayward Social, um, which I've never heard of, but, and then doing the good old Mercury. Nice. On Sunday. I mean, you know, that, when does this come out now? Does it come out sooner than before? Yeah. <laughs> or is it still sooner. irrelevant? It'll come out sooner. Anyway, I'm here playing shows. Edit. Um, yeah. You, you don't, 
You don't have the R2-D2? I don't. Okay. No. No, I mean, it's at home. Yeah. But yeah. you did you did one-line drawing reunion shows once, right? I did one-line drawing breakup shows <laughs> sometime, again, way back when. And that was probably... I think I've brought R2 out when I've played local shows once in a while and I remember. Um, yeah. Yeah, I actually... It's funny. I wore the shirt, of course, on purpose for this. And at this point, it's sort of a... It, it, it gives me humility because at every show, still, someone is like, where's the robot? <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. It's good to, yeah, to know that the most important part of your career is summed up by a, a toy robot that you got. No. But, you know, something Steven said about you, uh, which kind of like I think you were very pressing about, was a kind of pay what you want model. Like, uh, I feel like that's how everything kind of, not how everything is now, but I feel like that's. Yeah. A lot of like donation-based things are like that, and I feel like you were the first guy that kind of pioneered that, especially with punk kids, who I assume would be really cheap. Yep, <laughs> yep. It was. It wasn't always a winning proposition. <laughs> Still hasn't been, but yeah, no. And it's. I, I don't know. Um, it's now I'm gonna have for this whole goddamn time that I'm gonna somehow tell the same stories that we told six years ago. So who knows what's gonna happen? But <laughs> that's okay. We're gonna start charging for those old episodes. At soon. some point, there you go. Um, at some point, do people charge for things anymore? Um, <laughs> at some point, my mom showed me this. This uh, so I was a paper boy when I was little, and we were the poorest family on our street. So I would have first pick of the trash on on trash day, and I would notice that all our rich neighbors had stuff that looked perfectly usable to me. So I'd grab it on my paper route and bring it home and then i would have yard sales every few weeks with this stuff that i'd found in the trash and i just kind of had a big backlog and didn't care so i made little flyers that said pay what you want yard sales and this is you know i'm 10 11 12 or something like that at this point and so my mom pulled out a flyer after i'd been doing the shows for a while and i realized i've i guess i've just kind of always been that way is that part of like some grander like ideology do you think or I think it's no. Nah, I, I mean, I suppose so in the sense that yeah, I, I hate most of the world um, and how it's built and how it runs and fixed pricing is sure that's part of it, I guess. But I wasn't thinking about twelve. I think it's also it's a convergence of maybe my high-minded idealism and just being lazy as fuck and just not wanting to worry about pricing things and. Um, and I suppose it was just a simple thing at shows because if a kid comes up to me at a show, I think it started pretty organically at shows because someone, I think probably just said, I've only got seven bucks and the shirt was 10 bucks. And I was like, well, of course take the shirt. And I think I just started building that in because I wanted that conversation to happen more. And I wanted people who might be a little short or for whatever reason, were feeling like maybe not getting something. I would much rather them have it for a few bucks less. It's also the trust, you know what I mean? Like you, I remember the sign would say sliding scale, mm -hmm. pay what you want, but then you'd go play and the stuff would stay there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did, did the worst ever happen or? No, I mean, not that I know of, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, I can't imagine stuff wasn't stolen at some point. Uh, and no, nothing, nothing terrible ever happened. And yeah, no. And, and it always had a funny way of working out. It still does. I swear it's someone will come up. And give me five bucks and want, you know, a book or whatever, you know, something that costs 20 bucks. And and I, I've, I've always stuck to it. Um, I think the one, there are only a few times when I have not stuck to it where someone's like, can I pay 10 bucks? And they hand me a 50 and I'm like, 
be doing that. <laughs> Come on. Um, so so once, once in a while I've at least spoken up. But I, but even when I just let it go for whatever, someone else comes up and does give me a fifty and takes you know a couple records or whatever, and so clearly gives me way more than I need. And uh, it's so it's neat. It's neat how it's happened. But yeah, I think it just I just don't give a shit about. I mean, I get, I get making a living. I do. I just, it's sort of like with clothes. Like I'll wear them because I don't want to be the guy that walks around naked. But I think they're fucking stupid. Right. So I'm gonna care as little as possible about it and put as little of my attention on it as possible. And I think that's the way I'm with money. It's like I get that it's a thing that I need. I am actually, I really love, you know, making it in fun ways. And I never count it at the end of the night. Whenever. People give me money at the end. I never count it. Like when people, like at the merch table at the end of the night. For sure. it's, I just don't. I just because it, it just doesn't. It it doesn't matter to me. Um, as long as I know I've got enough for next couple months rent, then then I'm good. Jonah's wearing like a ten thousand dollar watch too. Yeah, by yeah, the way. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. If you like my Shimmering. hairstyle, it was really <laughs> your entourage is, bucks, is someone... disgusting. Yeah, um, yeah, you yeah, posted yeah. this incredible photo the other day of you and Chino from the Deftones. Oh yeah, where you guys look like you're like twelve years old. No, <laughs> was that from like the far era? Or... Yeah, I guess that was us in uh, England. I think. Um, yeah, this is the, the I think the first time, first or second time that Deftones took us overseas. Um, I want to say the first, and it was the it was fall of ninety seven, right around now. We should check the date on that. <laughs> yeah, another Brad, crazy get the date on that. On. Um, it's Rock City, Nottingham, Deftones, Far, Wilhaven. Um, yeah, so that was that. That was that night. I wouldn't have known that, but. Um, someone out there it's nice when all the deftone stuff my most well-preserved stuff from back in those days is all the deftone stuff because deftones have fans that cataloged everything it's it's sort of astonishing so anytime i was on one of those shows i'm psyched because at least that part was preserved yeah monster magnet fans aren't as good at preserving no 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 (laughs) i thought about uh far today uh not just because you were coming in today but uh part of my ritual for wasting time when i'm supposed to do things is uh FXX channel has a little mini marathon of parks and recreation every day. Mm-hmm. And as I was you know, wasting time and I was watching one, it was an episode where one of the characters, I don't know if you're familiar with the show, they discover that uh, her cousin is genuine. Nice. And our um, related subplot. Aziz Ansari is his character is like trying to date Rashida Jones and she's like, what's a genuine? He's like, she doesn't know what genuine is. And it flips out. And I was like, wow, how timely. Yeah, we talking. Yeah, you know, what that, some good apropos. Yeah, what was that was part of the? Uh, you guys got back together for fun, and that was where. Yeah, I mean, well, Far used to play Pony, not perform it, but we would play it as part of our sort of like house music because we we liked having music that wasn't just sort of other rock that sounded like us, and we kind of wanted to loosen people up, and we always just loved that track. So when we were getting back together. Uh, we were trading ideas for what we would even do, hanging out. And I wanted to make a covers EP, actually. I wanted to do that and some other stuff. And I just thought that would be such a fun song to do. It's simple. It's timeless. It's ridiculous. It's um, <laughs> And uh, and so we did it. Um, and it, it turned into the most popular thing we ever did. And by the way, I want to address this. I'm not just being sort of falsely humble or being sad about sort of when I the non-career jokes. I mean, first of all, it's true. Like, it's, I mean... 
it's I'm so unbelievably off the grid at this point. It, and and I don't mind that. And the sweet part about it is that what it's down to is there's just this really sweet little crew that essentially supports me and has for the last little while. But I haven't put a record out on any label of any repute or anything or gotten any sort of advance or any money for anything except for what this really small group of people gives me at shows or for Kickstarters or for whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I'm telling the truth. And within that is this like, it's actually, it's not, oh, woe is me. It's actually how fucking lucky am I that I still get to do this without having any real relevance in in sort of the broader pop culture. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not in any of the history of emo books, you know, it's okay. Really? No. That, that that nothing feels good not in there i don't know what the yeah, other but ones are, he but. didn't and all due respect to the man i've never met but i know jonah knows him but i, I the get up kids came by fuse a million years ago and i said hey i just read nothing feels good and they got really quiet and i said what's up and huh. they went he never interviewed us huh and i was like okay and that kind of like knocked that out and you know it's um you know what's the what's the old man who shot liberty valance uh print the facts or print the legend sure you know what i mean yeah and I was get I, I'm always that silly guy who was like, "Yeah, emo's great." And I go, "I think that embrace record is amazing." And then people get quiet. You right, know what right, I mean? Right, sure, like, sure. Except for Tom Mullen, who we all love. Oh, and, Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> now you've mentioned books. I got to be on that show. I got to be on his washed up emo. You got to oh, be. We, on we keep, we keep talking about sure. that. We keep talking about that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, so that's not me. I mean, just being whatever. So what? Like, what kind of keeps you going? I guess because I feel like does that ever get discouraging, or do you have a more Posy attitude, like you're saying, nah, you know, like what kind of keeps you like keeping making stuff, I guess, what like kind of inspires you to keep going? I mean, mostly it's the same thing that I always did, which is that an idea just kind of wakes me up or gets me excited. And I've always just wanted to finish it just for that because I figure it's there. So let's do it. The fact that I learned somehow to sell it and got lucky enough to get some money for doing it is ridiculous and wonderful to me. Um, as far as, as far as the, the commercially, whatever part of it, there is, there is less and less. I mean, especially after finishing the book, I mean, it, it, I feel like, I don't know, maybe something's over. I'm not sure. And, um, I'm sure I'll sound stupid if in a year I'm like busy as hell and doing all sorts of stuff, but I don't know. I, I just, I still love making music as much as anything. And wow, would I not want to be an artist trying to figure out how to make money off of music at this point? I mean, it's just so, as far as I can tell, it's so unbelievably diluted. And there's just to keep in touch with people through all of the different, you know, DMs and this, you know, I've got 18 inboxes now and it's a it's just a full-time job for very very little uh reward of any sort so i think what motivates me is this, yeah it's just fun and there is something about the people that have stuck around um it's it i'm sure it sounds pretentious and hyperbolic and everything to to think of them as family but in writing the book i realized that the two centers of my life for my adult life, I've been raising my kid and this crew of people, um, which has never been particularly big in any of the bands, but it's gotten smaller and smaller and tighter and tighter. And, you know, these pants were literally given to me. I forgot my pants at the store because I was like freaking out leaving and grabbing all a bunch of stuff. And, and I jokingly mentioned that 
at the first show where there were, you know, 40 people and three pairs of pants were brought the next night to a comic shop in Somerville, you know, in my size, you know, that people didn't buy. These are just people's pants, you know, that happen to be my size. I mean, so that kind of stuff, I don't know. That stuff really lights me up. You know, I think that's, again, that's to me the way the world should be is just that there's just sort of this, I don't know, there's just this neat kind of fluidity and it's not about amassing a bunch of loots, but everyone just kind of takes care of each other and does their thing. And so I guess I really love that I've got a little world and I, I, I don't feel obligated to anyone, but I do feel like as long as there are enough people that give a shit that, that I'll get supported for making music, I feel like I should keep going. I mean, as long as making music still, you know, is fun. Um, yeah, and this, and yeah, and again, the book, which I'm sure we'll talk about more or whatever, but yes. that I keep mentioning, that was that was a total experiment. It was a total crowdfunding experiment. I had no idea if anyone would give a shit about me writing a book, but um, but we're in it. Like when? How how long? But people is... paid a bunch of you know. It was the the not that I ever made a ton on Kickstarter, but it was the highest funded thing that I ever did, um, and it was a total experiment. And I had and that was all based on again this little crew of people that just trust me to to come through with these ideas and it's yeah no, it's super humbling and it is super inspiring and um and i'm pretty depressed a lot these days about other things and it kind of bleeds into the the art and the career stuff and the letters i get and the interactions i have with people they keep refreshing if i ever forget how cool this is for me then people remind me every time every single time it's it's amazing what's been what's been like the aside from as i like to put it the world but like what's is there any specific things that's been bumming you out or i mean mortality um i guess that should yeah bum everybody <laughs> that's out. yeah i mean what did i, what did I just a real thing so, um I, I just read somewhere someone said that uh i can't remember if it was where i read it who said it but it was uh oh it was that show the good place mm, which i don't watch right. but a friend of mine quote he said this is the best thing ever and it was somebody is set in heaven or whatever and someone just discovered death yeah and she said that's why humans are always just a little bit sad because we know that death is part of it yeah and i was like oh it's not bad that's yeah. pretty good yeah so yeah that, that'll always be at the forefront there so no i mean i'm just i'm just a little lost right now my kids growing up and she was kind of the whole center of everything yeah. and and she still is and she's doing her own thing and i've got to learn how to kind of let her go and do that thing and um and yeah the 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 music career money part is getting less and less and that has been another huge focus of mine and i'm not sure where that's going um yeah and yeah the world this the world that we refer to is uh it's a real thing um it's and it's not it's not trump i mean it's fine he's whatever he is but it's 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 really all of the like my middle class white friends who just appear to be super okay with us just spinning off into the apocalypse and just like as long as you know white supremacy keeps on like doing its thing and it's it's been really it's been really really fucking depressing for me actually um yeah it's been getting me down it's i think it was, it was an interview with uh, springsteen who was talking about it and he was like I have these friends and all of a sudden I find myself going, shit, I thought I knew you. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it'll bump in there. Well, let's flip it. Let's flip it because you'd mentioned it <laughs> and I want to talk about it because uh, there's just too much sad. Well, first and well, foremost, before we talk about the book, I want to say 
I think the music industry caught up to you. Because That's kind of what I was saying, too. Yeah. What yeah. you're saying, like, with the pay what you want, do what you will, you have been, and you would always say, uh, you know, loving, living, and small. Mm-hmm. Loving, living, small. And yep. that has been how the the myth of the giant artist making gazillions of doing all this and not having to really work. You've been someone who's been, you know, your own troubadour working and making a living. And, you know, when you're like, my career, this, you, this is your career. This is yeah. your profession. This is what you do. Yeah. And only job you, I ever had. You are sustainable, you know? Yeah. You're uh, organic. Yeah. Legit. <laughs> it's real. It's, it's actually true. I know. I don't know how it happened, but yeah, the, it, it, no, I mean, in 2000, you know, because, you know, there's Patreon and all that stuff. Now, yeah. And I've been messing with a, a kind of DIY version of Patreon, too. And looking at that kind of model right now with people just kind of creating one kind of ongoing relationship with people as opposed to multiple releases. And so I but I in 2000, I did a thing called Always New, which was a monthly thing where I made a song every month and uh, and made a little website with it and pictures and stories and stuff. And people paid me every month for it. And so. I didn't know it, but I was doing crowdfunded patronage yeah. then. So, yeah. No, it's, it turns out that a lot of my strange little ideas ended up being what's what a lot of people do now. Yeah, that's true. You started out with an idea of, well, I mean, everybody in here knows what, when I got into punk, it was community. And it was outreach and everything through shows and lucky enough to live in Northern Virginia where it's just like, yep. you're going to go see Fugazi? Sure. You know what I mean? And that's that kind of world. But that's, I've never not seen you do that. Mm-hmm. You know? Even on, even when you were doing uh, Gratitude, when I saw you on Warp Tour. Yeah, it's it all I've way. ever known. And yeah, it's all oh, I've yeah, ever I really forgot about when we were, we were on Warp Tour together. Oh my God. <laughs> you remember right. that? <laughs> yep. And Paramore was on the, yep. the, the, the Ernie Ball stage. The, they were on the, that Shearer Girl truck. And then maybe they were on like an early ball stage at one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. That was a long time ago, dude. That must have been like 2003, 2004. Yep. And I think, I think we Fall Out Boy set the merch record or something like that. Yep. Was, yeah. 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 I remember that tour. That was a crazy tour. Yes. And actually, I remember very little of that tour, frankly. That I just named basically the two things I remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, there were no, it wasn't drugs involved. Gratitude. I, just, I don't know. That was, that, you guys are on a major label? We were on Atlantic. You were on Atlantic. That's right. Yeah. You played. You you came by. It was it was this weird time at Fuse where yeah. where the um, I can't remember who was in charge then. There's been so many, but they decided I, I don't like him, meaning me. And so you came to play, and you're playing on the show. I think it was the Sauce. I'm not sure what the hell the show was at the time. Daily. I don't can't remember. But you were playing, but I wasn't hosting. And I remember being someone being like, "That's his friend." <laughs> and I didn't get to do the interview or anything, but you came, and I just got to come to sound check yep. and hang out. And uh, they give you a wristband. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's a wristband. <laughs> but yeah, grat- I dug gratitude. I yeah. saw you guys a bunch. I we were all right. Yeah. Do those songs ever sneak back in? Oh, I mean, I sing. I sing stuff from all the bands. Still, do you do mm-hmm. any new and original stuff? Yeah, I mean, well, that's. That was, uh, yeah, I mean, those are all tunes that already existed. Those are all essentially one-line drawing songs. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, that's why the anagram thing, because, like, New End Original is an anagram for one-line drawing. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was me and Norman. It was going to be a one-line drawing record that me and Norman were, like, compiling songs for, and he was going to kind of help make it. And then 
the songs kind of got transformed enough and just felt different that uh, we thought, okay, let's make a band. So we rearranged the letters, made a new band name. So that, to me, was always kind of an electric one-line drawing record. And especially after we broke up so fast, then it was really an electric one-line Didn't drawing record. Didn't Luke Warm end up on a commercial Norman told us? Like it, a Coke commercial or in Thailand or something? It Yeah, it was... That was a sort of a an inter-whatever thing where um, they were trying to get it for the big ad campaign and I was saying no to that and they were offering more and more money and while that was happening, they said, hey, like, you know, can we try it out in yeah, these... I think yeah, it was like weird, strange markets. It was, you know, can we just do that and give you a little bit of money? And we'll work out this bigger deal. And I was like, and I was really just tired at the time. I was like, okay, fine, just do that. And and then I kind of kept stewing over the thing. And we didn't end up doing the big deal. But yes, it did apparently air somewhere. I think Steve Thursday was playing Big Day Out or something. And he called me up or wrote to me or something like that and said that he had seen it. But that's the only, that's the only thing I've ever heard about it actually airing. Yeah. And you were just like, no, nah, I'm not. Like, how did they find you? Or they just... The director, I think, of the commercial uh, just liked it and was, you know, and, and just knew Indie Rock or whatever mm-hmm. and knew the Jade Tree catalog or something like that. And um, and so Dane, Dane Johnson, I believe that is his name, uh, he, th- they called us up. Um, at first it was just a rep from somewhere and the first offer was 75000 and I said no. I kind of did the math really quick, and after taxes and the splits, it'd be like thirty grand. And I was kind of pissed at the new one at Scott and Charlie because they'd left really early, and but then still wanted, you know, a quarter of the money. And mm-hmm. and I was kind of like, nah, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna like a like have my voice all over this co-commercial and give away the money to these dudes. At, at the time, I, I, I'm totally cool and I love them, but at the yeah. time, I was kind of hurt. Um, and then on the phone call when I said no to the seventy-five, she immediately said, "Well, how about one hundred fifty? <laughs> and, it's and, quite a difference. Yeah, yeah. And at first, it I was almost stunned into saying yes. Like, oh, a, you really were gonna a, fuck me? Weren't it was you? A, it was a bit of yeah, no, it was a bit of deer in headlights. And then and then my little fuck you rebel part was uh, I just thought, oh, I like in my I was like, oh, they've got like a, this huge bucket of money yeah. that they can just sort of like buy things with. And so then my kind of pride kicked in for better or for worse. And I didn't say no right then, but it stopped me from saying yes right then. And then I went around to kind of family and friends. like So that one would have been 60 for me after taxes and after everything else. Like, And I was sort of... And that's, you know, it's pretty much more money than I've ever had in the bank at one time or anything like that. And um, and the person that came the closest to convincing me was my grandpa. Because he just, you know, he grew up in the Depression. He was in like seven foster homes in the Depression. And and he grew up at a time when Coca-Cola was, was, was a Statue of Liberty. You know, it was just sort of... And and he just could not understand it. And he wasn't mad at me, but just the incredulous look that he right. would give me. It was just... it. That was the one thing that was kind of gnawing at me. But I just... A, I decided I can make this much money. Like if I... I was doing pretty well as one-line drawing and, and touring. And I was like, I can make this. This is not... It's not a life-changing sum of money. It doesn't... I don't get to buy a house. I don't get to fund my daughter's college. I don't like not not. It would go a long way towards one of those things, but I don't know. It just wasn't that. And in fact, I did. I called them, 
and I did get to talk to Dane. I, I talked to the director. I kind of did all of this stuff. And they're like, who is this guy? Like, <laughs> they just had no idea what to do with me, but they really wanted the song. So I, I called him up and I said, look, if you can somehow structure this and do this where I end up with $200,000, then, because that would have been a hundred grand for down payment on a house, a hundred grand into my daughter's college fund. And I was like, if that could happen from one stupid song that I wrote on my couch, then fuck it. You know, I'm just going to work it out. So they said no um, to that, which made it easy. But ultimately for me, it wasn't some, you know, some big idealistic thing. It was just that I just had this picture of people walking up to me at shows going, oh yeah, I, I saw you, you know, I heard your song on the Coke commercial. And I just... I know that's a way that a lot of bands have made a lot of fans and a lot of careers. And at this point, it seems so ridiculously quaint because every band ever, because, you know, Bonnie Vera does whiskey guitars and, yeah. you know, everyone's on, you know, just, you know, falling over themselves to get on commercials, you know, and to get on the next, you know, spot on the whatever. And so I totally get how it sounds. And I just didn't, I just didn't want that. I, I think having a kid and playing music there was a thing about touring where I realized that even if I was doing really, really well, if I wasn't having fun out there, if it wasn't feeling really, really communal and interesting and whatever it is that I love about life and music, then it just wasn't worth being away from her. I couldn't justify it. Like I couldn't justify it to myself. Um, I, I knew how much she missed me. I was still you know, scared that I was kind of screwing her up by coming and going the way musicians do. And it just wasn't worth it to me. And that was kind of part of a, I can't have a career that's on, you know, that's on a Coke commercial. Like I just, I, well, I, I mean, know. I remember, you know, pre-aughts, it just wasn't done at all. Well, yeah, that's the thing too. Is I that, mean, yeah, you I, were like, yeah. There kind of in the middle there, but I mean, there yeah. was, you didn't do it no, at all. That was no, the end no. of your career to license to a TV. Company. And even when yeah. I was, even I, I, I did the, about the worst thing. Cause I didn't say yes and just take the money. Uh, and I also talked about it with, like on my little message boards right. back on their message boards and people hated me just even for thinking about it so i kind of got the worst of both worlds it was pretty much the worst possible decision um yeah, for the kind of community yeah. that would yell at you for signing to a major label right yeah yeah and that no and, and you're right that's what it was back then it was a real thing and and that wasn't i already wasn't a particularly cool entity with what year was this you know, this would have been I guess I guess at the time the offer came in, it was oh three, two or yeah, three. So it was right when things were turning. Right when things were turning. Yep. Because I forget when that first iPod commercial came out. I feel like that first iPod. It commercial wasn't was the first, iPod. You know what it was? What, what, I honestly think it was the Volkswagen it. commercial. Uh, Do you remember those? Yeah, those? Yeah. The Nick Drake. Was the, the Nick Pink Drake. Drake. Yeah. Was Pink the Pink Moon. Moon stuff. Pink Moon that broke the seal. And then the Walkman. Yeah. Their well, first they were record. using they were using all unknown, relatively unknown artists. Yeah. Is what was happening. So you hear this fucking word, you go, what the fuck was that, man? In 2002 or 2001, I think McDonald's licensed the Walkman. Okay. And it was like, the, it was just, I don't even think that it was any vocals of the track. I think it was 30 seconds of the intro. Right. And I was like, that's the fucking Walkman. And yeah. that to me was like the real start of it. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, it was just not done at all. Yeah. It was no. just not an option. No. And I didn't have that much to lose from that. It was still just a, a small thing. So it wasn't a super marketplace-based decision for me. It was just a kind of a little quiet personal thing. And um, yeah, and sometimes I regret it. Um, but I would say I 
you know, I 15% regret it and 85% I'm super, super happy. Yeah, you made the decision it. for the right reason right at the time. Yeah, you know? it, it, it still feels solid to me. I don't feel like I was coming from a stupid place back then. No. I just, once in a while, I just go, well, gosh, that money would have been this money. And so basically when I'm feeling poor now, I'm like, but I turned on all this money. What am I doing? You know, yeah. kind of thing. And I've said no to lots of other things too, but nothing that was that much money on the other side of the, yes, there were other things that could have led to a lot of money, tours or whatever, that stuff. But that was the, that was the big no. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk this book, man. Yeah, that's then that's in there. I love it. That, that story begins the live in small chapter. Were you trying to say, what haven't I done? <laughs> I mean, had you had notes? Do you have journals? Are you that guy? Nope. Um, I, I, the journals that I did go back and read, because um, I have scribbled over the years. Sometimes I've gone through periods of it, but no, they, they were nonsense. When I, I mean, some of them that were literally illegible. I couldn't read my handwriting. Um, <laughs> and the stuff I read, it was just it was it was journal entries. It was stupid and self conscious and nothing productive at all. Um, no, that yeah, that was based a little bit on wanting to stay home. And I, the whole crowdfunding thing in my head was based on, I want to try and get enough money together so that I have a, a reasonable excuse to stay home for a little while because I was really tired. I was just, yeah, I was just really physically and emotionally tired. And so I wanted to stay home. And I thought, yeah, and for a while now I've been thinking and I'm still thinking a lot about what can I use my brain for besides making music, What you know, are there other things that I can do with this? Uh, and so, yeah, and I, I mean, my nickname growing up was literally Bookman. I mean, I've always really, really adored books and uh, admired authors. And so I figured I'd give it a shot. And, you weren't just a big fan of good times? Yeah, exactly. And this is the irony, Buffalo Butt. Anybody? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brad? <laughs> Ain't we lucky we got him. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so no, it was, just a, it was just wanting to stay home. And, and there has been for a little while now this kind of what has this life been everything for a while i was going so hard just raising my kid and making the money to keep her safe and um and because of the way i've done most of my music it's so hands-on it's just mailing out all the orders and keeping in touch with people Mm -hmm. so it's a very 24 7 thing and and I just don't, I didn't really remember much of what had happened. And so I wanted to kind of see what I did. And initially it started out where I was going to call people like you guys and, and do kind of an oral history of me and just go to go like, okay, so what do you remember about 98? You know, do you, what do you remember about meeting me? Who was I to you? How did I, you know, what did you observe when you saw mm-hmm. that? And I was going to kind of put all that together and just sort of see what other people saw and kind of match it up with whatever my memories were. And I had a couple of those conversations. They were interesting. And then I realized I was just going to be writing somebody else's flawed memories and and it would feel weird writing something I didn't remember myself in my memoir kind of thing. So then I just kind of trashed all of that and the the book is literally just not everything I remember, but it's it's only things that I very clearly remember. And so there's a lot of sort of gaps in some ways, but it turned out to be a really good narrative i mean i think yeah i think did, it's, it's pretty good narrative. did you have like a process to like for writing it like did you have a routine or no. like because i feel like i'm always like i should write a book and then yeah. i'm like oh but i kind of want to watch shark tank uh yeah <laughs> i say it i i say it half jokingly but i now know why authors are alcoholics and kill themselves a lot because it's a lot of time in your head and i went into it 
very much like, I made a lot of records, I can do this. Yeah, and I was kind of thinking like, oh, well, if I do this amount of day, and da, 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 right. then it'll be done in a few months. And I would tell my friends who had actually written books, and they would just kind of like chuckle <laughs> at me and like, mm-hmm, all right, talk to me in nine months to see how you're doing. <laughs> and turns out, yeah, it was a total, no, every plan I had got thrown out the window. It was completely torturous. It was much more, not more physically exhausting than all the miles, but certainly more emotionally exhausting than I was prepared for. Um so it, it turned out to be a kind of a bad call on that level. And and now that it's done, I'm, I'm super, super proud of it and uh, and happy I did it. And so, no, it, by the end, it was just waking up, dreading everything, sitting down, knowing that I had to finish it. Tour was coming up because I, I, I'd sort of run out of money again and, um, and it was time to going you know and i and really forget about the money i just missed singing i just missed it this thing that i kind of wanted to it was a careful what you wish for thing because i just i missed going out there and playing with people and playing for people and i always spent a lot of time alone but i was really spending a lot of time alone and i just didn't like it so ultimately it was just time to finish it and then i did um i ultimately got together a pretty good timeline actually by accident i kind of cobbled together a timeline that i ended up just kind of filling in. And I came up with the idea of basing it on songs. It's based around 36 songs over the course of my life. And so I used those songs to go, who was I when this song was arriving? What was happening? And I kind of used the song to kind of jar my memories of the shows I was playing, the bands I was playing with, the people I was around. Um, so I guess that's the closest I came to a method. Is I, I put together, I have a timeline written on a piece of cardboard um, it's on a poster tube, and uh, and then the songs. That's cool. Yeah, this is my favorite song you've ever written. Thanks, man. This, see, he shows him, and now I will describe it to our listener. Uh, every mistake. Yeah. See, the cool thing about going to see you play shows for those of you who haven't go because it's intimate and wonderful is you'll say, "What do you want to hear?" And I've said that song I don't know how many times to you, and mm. you every damn time you've played it. Every mistake. It's about like a dad talking to his daughter, right. and it kills me kills me every time <laughs> and i saw you like not like i did uh i was first unitarian and mm-hmm. feel like you stayed over yeah and my children were asking today because like which jonah nice <laughs> confused once again yes but yeah. here's the thing See, back to the jonas yeah. they're gonna be when we take a picture and i show them they're gonna be really confused because you didn't have a beard oh and right. now you have one that and that's confusing. how they identify with jonah but and I, I kind of have an afro now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. But I do have to say that uh, all due respect to your music, they've heard it. Kate's favorite song is uh, Stairway to Mar-a-Lago by United Nations. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Stephen sent me some videos of, of her rocking out to you. Yeah, rules. And it actually has now gotten to the point of uh, monotony because I have so many videos of her rocking out. Well, <laughs> me and Jonah have both shared the stage with Jeff Rickley many times. Yes. Uh-huh. So that is true. So, Jonah, we have a segment on the podcast yes. called okay. Mystery Friend. That's where I'm bringing my phone out. Okay. Where we have a friend of yours okay. submit a question, and then you have to answer it, and then you have to guess who asked it. Okay. Um, that's a good segment. And Created by Benny Horowitz. Created by Benny Horowitz. So... uh Today's mystery. We, I wish we had music for it. Like, <laughs> put it under. Yeah, like Jeopardy music. Yeah, you can't use that though. We can't use Jeopardy. You have to okay. pay Merv Griffin. Oh man. Oh my God, you Merv. do, don't you? Yeah. So for his the que- family, I guess. The, the question for today is: Ask him how he feels about 
Little Blue Bus. Yeah, this is a perfect example. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> you know? None. Zero. I don't know what it is. Nope. I have no idea what that is or who is saying it. I'm, yeah, just... Wow. Nothing. Yeah, this is a first. That's the first time. Uh, maybe if we figure out who it is, that will jog your memory. Yes, I agree. Uh, the only game I'm playing about who it is is just people that you know that, that it, I that It's I not going to be that hard. Well, it must be from that warp Tour that you don't remember anything <laughs> yes. from. It's, no, ha- it's, it's Haley from Paramore. <laughs> and, <laughs> that would be... Um, the only... <sighs> Have we mentioned them in the podcast I mean, it, yet? It, is it, I mean, is it Norman? It is Norman. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. That's purely because Norman, Norman's the guy. Norman Brandon from New and Original. Yeah. So I, I got the guess right. Still without knowing what the hell's right. going on. That's what I love. Does that click anything with no. a little blue bus? <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. I don't like texting during podcasts, but I'm, I'm just going to see it. No. If, Let's do it. I think we the speakerphone him in. I mean, because I don't know what little blue bus is. Did he call Norman? Little. That would be funny if he called Norman. I love Norman. The only bus association I have is I remember we did some dates. I did some dates with Me Without You, and they had this crazy school bus thing they were touring, and it was a total death trap. But I don't think that was blue, and I'm not. I don't think Norman was there. Oh, I'm getting the dots. So he's he's on his phone. Oh, he's in it. Oh man. Yeah. Sorry. This is going to be maybe boring for the listeners. I but love Norma. Sometimes I wish the music his Twitter in. handle was Norma. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I will provide the music for this segment. Okay. Yeah. I've got, I think I can hear the instrumental version of what will be good music for this oh, segment. Oh, listen, there it is. It's great. That was yeah. a great job. That was amazing. <laughs> okay. Here, that little hook, I love that. Here's hook. the That's answer. Good. Uh, <laughs> it is, it's a documentary someone made of new and original in Germany. Oh. And it aired on German TV. Yep. And I never saw it. And the only thing I remember, I think, is that they use Scott's drum roll for the beginning of Hostage for kind of some of the scores and like that. But I never saw the link. Tell him, tell him if he knows where it is. I want to see it, please. That's crazy. Yeah. This documentary floating around about you and your band. This is that's so that's very indicative of of me. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's just a lot of that. Uh, there's a lot of things like that, and especially Norman because he is the. He's the opposite of me. He remembers, as far as I can tell, every single thing that's ever happened in everyone's life. It's it's he's uh, well, he, he, he says he has it, but he only has it on VHS. <clears throat> oh, that's great! I got a VCR still. Oh, you do? Oh, wow. Okay, great. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to make this happen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but is it a European VHS tape? Uh, is it PAL? He said. Pal? He said. He says that you guys have a screaming match on it. I remember the screaming match. <laughs> I do, because the and, only time that I ever heard and, Norman's voice raised, at me or anyone else. Yeah, he says, and we, bas- me. We, basically, <laughs> we basically break up in it. Yep. I remember that. Wow. And, so, and there was a camera on it? I, I don't remember I that. I guess so. Okay. <laughs> German camera. Yeah, German apparently. camera. Well, I mean, <laughs> can you do the yelling part again? <laughs> I don't think you're mad enough. Youth cause that anger? <laughs> so, so I've seen <laughs> Jews scream. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, <laughs> Sorry, Germans. I do. <laughs> Never gets old. Wow. Thank Never you for forget. Taking the heat off me. Usually <laughs> 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 my line. Uh, so what? What? <laughs> Whatever the joke is that's heading towards the edge, I'll always be the one yeah. to push it over. Oh man. Yeah. What? So what? <laughs> 
that was actually very like a very poignant and like yeah that's my humor it's, yeah. it's usually pretty like that yeah um so when you're not kind of touring or like working on the book like what do you kind of do you live in san francisco still yeah bay area what mm-hmm. do you what like what do you do you like ride your bike or like what's your kind of yeah, I ride my bike. I walk around. I really enjoy the seventies and eighties game show channel. Um, I think it's a really neat uh, time capsule of America. It's really strange, and I'm thinking about writing a book about that. Um, oh my god, you should! I know. Yeah. You're gonna call it long microphone? Is there not a book yet? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just want to call it Dawson. that guy man i want to know i want to know everything that was going on i'm gonna kiss everything that comes in (laughs) it's 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 really the moments that have happened on that show it's really something else um yeah i don't i don't do much um i'm writing back to a lot of people yeah keeping in touch with people a lot um i am mumbling ideas into recorders um do you keep up on like newer bands and that kind of no. stuff? No, no. I, I play the game that I think a lot of people play now, which is like how far below the headliner can I get on a festival bill and know any of the bands? Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's it's getting fewer and fewer and fewer. What's that? Um, what's that? Hard times. My favorite Twitter. It's like it's like the Onion, but for old punks. The hard yeah times. yeah hard times is pretty and cool. It's, stuff and there. it said something like, um, like font for festival lineup goes into like illegibility or something right, right. I mean, something, yeah. like, something gets so small yeah illegible in more than one way yeah. yeah no i i definitely know more current r&b stuff than any anything related to rock or indie rock because there's like, like a that, whole like sure. new wave of like emo bands now right like everyone's like 17 yeah god bless them it, well it's like you know you discover what you what you didn't have like i learned it's like i learned about minor threat you know a good five years after they broke up and was irritated mm-hmm. you know and then you you want to find what's or create what's you love so so when i i, I just went to ride fest and oh yeah the, how was jawbreaker uh i cried Wow. I, I, oh, legitimately, bad, huh? I legitimately, I <laughs> legitimately, <laughs> uh, to their credit, and I am a super fan, so I, I'm super jaded and critical. Uh, it sounded like a day hadn't passed. They were that tight. Yeah, no, I heard, I heard they were incredible. Sounds like 24 hour revenge therapy. Yeah. What, what? <laughs> Sorry. But you run into Tears. other people there, but there was a lot of people in their shirts from. <laughs> Sorry, Jonah. Awful. <laughs> Jonah's in wincing and pain. <laughs> Sometimes those pun darts go hard. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good seeing that, but there was like the crowd of me, oh, middle-aged yeah. dudes in black t-shirts, and then yeah. kids in their jawbreaker t-shirts they had just bought. Yeah, so that was kind of fun. Yeah, I did. No, make- I heard they did great. I'm really happy that they did. I'm just happy Blake is okay at least for the time being. Like, correct. Seriously, I was actually quite worried. So, Blake, I hope you're okay. Yes, yes. he's been here a couple of times. He has. He's oh, been cool. on the podcast a few times. Yeah. That's awesome. It's been a while. He played. He came to our live show and played a played a Jets song, which the whole crowd kind of. That's so good. Did Jumped. You, speaking, of, did you have any kind of change? Like, I know Epitaph bought like the J Tree catalog. Oh, right. Yeah. Did that affect you at all? Or I guess I just got my first email from the dude who does 
who's doing the payouts from Epitaphs. I've got to redo my W9 or whatever that is. And I have a secret dream that somehow they've got some secret formula where I'm going to get more money now or something, but I really don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. Um, um, and, and that isn't to say, by the way, that's there's no uh, backhanded uh, slight of, of J-Tree. They were actually great. So I don't mean that I will get anything because I always do get a little bit from J-Tree still, which is remarkable to me. Um, but yeah, of course, I'm hoping that it'll be something neat. And when I first got the letter, I mean, Brett did the, you know, did this very well written. I didn't think it was to me only, but he did this letter that was so good at looking and feeling personal that I was like, huh, like how many people is he writing to right now? But I have the feeling it was to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of bands or whatever the catalog was. Um, so me in my earnestness, I like wrote back. I was like, "Hey, this is cool," you know. But then I never heard back from anyone. Um, but yeah, it's no, nothing happened. And me and Norman have talked about it. We were kvetching a bit about it. Just that I don't know what Tim and Darren got, but I don't know. It kind of sucks um, to just to not get any money of. I, I assume some big chunk of money changed sure, hands sure. so to not sort of share in that because we're and i get how business works again but this is one of the things i hate about business is you know is that i'm the guy that thinks that if a bridge gets built i think every whatever money is generated by that over the years like every dude that did that should get like a royalty you know should get like a songwriting royalty for who like who put their literal body into it of course that's not the way the world works the developer gets the money i get it um so that's that's me being a little dreamer but yeah no i don't think anything's gonna happen i I think it would be amazing if they reissued stuff. I mean, especially Thriller on vinyl um, would be good. Brad, if you're listening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, wait, I have a good Blake story. I, I just did a record with Jay Robbins and Zach from Jawbox um, and uh, an EP that I really, really love. And so I'm going to plug it because it's really good. Um, the project is called Kimura, Um And at one point when we were having these little weekend sessions uh trying to write some stuff and, and record some stuff. Blake wrote to me and, and was just saying hi for some reason. And I mentioned that I was doing that. I was like, hey, can I come down to the session? And I was excited because I've always wanted to work with Blake. And so I wrote to Jay saying like, hey, can Blake come? He's like, oh, I don't know. Me and Zach, I've got a good thing going right now. And I don't want to, you know, mess up that whatever. And I thought, yeah, okay, that's true. And 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 I do love working with those two guys, but... I'm still kind of mad that we didn't like get Blake in on it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Come on, yeah, that yeah, that would have been cool, right? Yeah. yeah. So I still want to write with you, Blake. I want to. I'm just using this podcast to get yeah. messages to all no, the people that I want to speak to. I would love if you wrote something with Blake. That would be amazing. And please document it. When is the yeah. when is the Jawbox J Robbins? It came out. It came, it came out, out <laughs> on a little. Like, this is the world now. It came out on this little German label, Arctic Radio, who are just the best. Um, okay. And they. Yeah, I mean, actually, a radio station or two played it, actually, in the States, just people that were old FAR fans or old Jawbox fans or whatever. Um, I'm going to shout out 91X in San Diego because they've always been nice. And Hillary at 91X totally played it and plugged it, played two of our songs, actually. Um, and this is the thing. It, this is... And it's not saying whether the record is so great or not. I, I happen to really like it and everything. I think it's actually kind of neat and unique and all that stuff. And... There is a time when this record coming out would have been, there would have been more attention on it. And now there is just so much noise everywhere. It's just, it's just a, it's the proverbial drop in the ocean. It just, things come out and for two days people were really excited and writing to me and, and we did sell out of our little vinyl pressing that, that they made. And so that, so it was a, you know, a success or whatever, but 
the weekend's over, you know, they're, they're already calling Blade Runner a flop, you know, the new one, because it didn't do 80 gazillion in the first right. weekend. And I think this is the world now. Yeah. So yeah, it came and went. And I really love it. And we're going to make more music. We are making more music. Oh, cool. And yeah. And, and seriously, listen to it. You're going to fucking dig it. Like, it's really good. And things go by these days as far as i can tell yeah no i think you're they right go by real i do like the fast. fact that uh, you know when this is finished i'm going to get it and listen to it yeah, yeah me too yeah, maybe to someone else train. will and everyone listen to this yeah, you yeah. should get it yeah. Yeah. yeah no i mean it's it, it what a it, microcosm it, like you and jay robinson are doing stuff well like and that. me and jay i was just at jay's house because my place to crash fell through down near where he lives in maryland and uh and so i said hey can i come come and crash and so i got mm-hmm. to see him and cal and it was great and it's great to hang out and he actually played me some new ideas and gave me some so i'm gonna do some singing on them and that's why we've been doing the project but we were hanging out and talking about this and he was saying the exact same thing like he loves writing music still and he finds it strange that yeah there's this sort of vague sort of stature thing i mean he's just done so many things over so many years and 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 he he can't no one comes to see him. No one cares when he releases records. And it's, I mean, someone cares. You know, a small group of people care. But there's just, there's not a community the way there was. Now, it's just so splintered. And, and I understand that time has passed. I, I When I say this, I guess it's, it's, I'm always careful to clarify that I'm not bitter. I, in fact, again, I'm happy that I'm still making a living doing this. And I'm happy with my little family. And I'm aware of the choices I've made that have led to this. And Jay is as well, and it he's not bitter. No one's bitter, like or at least someone is, but we're not. Uh, <laughs> we're 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 fine. We're like we're happy people, and it is remarkable. It's a different time, and the, there's not the infrastructure of clubs, and not the infrastructure of word of mouth. Um, ironically, there are all these means for people to communicate a lot more quickly, but there's just so much information flying around. It's sort of um, yeah. I mean, ever since pretty much ever since. Uh, I forgot about what Napster ever since Napster I've been saying there's really no use in getting mad at this technology it's just technology and it's sort of like getting mad at the sun it's just something that exists and it is real there's it's changed everything um and all of this has changed everything and you know Spotify makes the old major label system look like a communist you know look like the NEA you know I mean it just it no one gets paid anymore yeah for anything I don't understand how any of that works but i will say i if i want to hear something i i will go to the library app i have and i will usually find it and mm-hmm. i can listen to it on my phone on my app and there's part of me that goes well i know i'm sharing it but my taxes pay for the library and i will i will buy it eventually but it's like when i first hear something i can i get it and there's i don't know there's i don't know if that's like but hold on well, library i need to okay so my local library yeah talked about this so many times i love it so like there's there's an app for the library wow i just you wonder can, if we should be promoting this we should be promoting as much as i it. like the library because they, they they uh for instance my my show i already like this more than spotify if this is real. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah it's called going... the app is called hoopla and you put uh-huh. in your zip code and it connects to like your library card mm-hmm. and you can borrow up to like 10 titles a month i like it because there's comics on there and uh 
And they keep up with new releases. And they keep up with new releases. But you have to, like, I got in a fight with my librarian. I've talked about this. Because <laughs> you have to. I like the sentence I got in a fight with my librarian. Yeah, God, I love it. Yeah, that was I was just, the Greenpoint Library because yeah. I was trying to check out a book digitally. And she was like, oh, you're, like, number 25 on the wait list. And I was like, yeah, but there's not, like, really a wait list. <laughs> like, there's not, like, there's one copy. And she was That's like, no, amazing. you have to wait for people to return the digital copy before, or else everyone would just take it out at the same time. And I, like could not wrap my head around wow, this. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. yeah. That's Is it really like that? Like- it's like that. So so you get so so you get you get that is fucking ridiculous. Oh God, Dude, that's, that's what amazing. I said. That's amazing. Like I get her ridiculous side. is discussion or ridiculous what she was saying. What she was saying. Yeah. I mean, like, but she was basically like, no one. I kind of love it, actually. (laughs) Yeah. It is ridiculous. It's so, it's just an antiquated, really sweet concept that there would be a digital file that people share like a physical thing in the age of. You just put it up once and it's everywhere forever. Um, yeah. yeah, I understand the sentiment. I mean, yeah, but, but it's I'm insane. on your side. I mean, there's Thank a reason, there's a reason for it's it. Insane. It's not sentiment. I have to. What's the reason? The reason is because if 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 you could if everybody could get it anytime for free, why would anybody ever buy? Right. You already you know, the, can. Wait, you just no. People can get it yeah. all the time for free, and that's why they don't buy music. So it's we're just talking funny. about a book. I mean, I guess no, but you music already can. I was too. I was talking about a book, but that would go oh, for still a, that would go copy. for anything. I mean, digital, it is. Yeah. But a I'm saying anything. like, so when they, you know, the reason that the publishers, it doesn't cost them that much to send like a bunch of books to the library either, but they don't because. There's a for there's a reason for it. I, well, yeah, <laughs> I, no, I agree. Then that's basically what she was saying. She was like, yeah, no one would buy this book. If there's an ideological just- reason for it that is wonderful. Yeah, and I love the ethic of it. I think it's. Um, I mean, and I wish the world were more like that. Because right. pe- yes, there would be more of a value to art still. And so I like that the library is toeing the line. I re- <laughs> like. I seriously like it. And the logic of what she's saying is totally insane. But but this happens. Hold on, but this, but, on, but this yeah, happens yeah, yeah. in other contexts too. Like, do you ever go on Amazon and like the digital version's cheaper, or the the physical version's cheaper than a digital version? It's like paperback yeah, seven dollars, digital fifteen. That's why because, I don't. That's the one reason that I don't do digital. And I'm like, how books. does that's, it cost? That's because they're. That's like used sellers. Other. Other sellers. Oh no 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 this is because it's the same way that software used to be before they figured out like different schemes to get people to buy it is because they know that many people are going to be pirating it, so they ream the people that are actually going to pay the money for it. Right. Here, here's John. The digital version is priced up because the people that care enough to buy it will pay more than they need to because they're factoring in all of the theft. Also, also right. the, I the publishers with Amazon often do deals when paperbacks come out that they do uh, sales. Well, there's on that them. too. There's the oh, yes. like, that's so real. yeah. If, especially if it's a newer release that's like newly on paperback, they'll be like a month for seven ninety nine. But the digital version will always just be this price it is. Yeah, but. How much are the digital? It's like seventeen dollars for a digital. It, it depends. Whatever it is, it, it depends. depends. Yeah, it yeah. changes. Well, here's Jonah Matranga on my library app. Wow! So I can borrow it, and then it'll return itself after. And like, so, what else? is that? The only record on there? Uh, no, Fort Minor's on here. But this is the only one on here. Yeah, for the, on, on on this app right here. See, I don't understand how that stuff works. Is that so? This uh, EP he's looking at is this. It's this four-song EP with me and this guy, Mikey J. Reds, who 
This is label, I believe, was Engineer Records. They're from the UK. <laughs> easy listening would be the genre. <laughs> <you're> <laughs> easy listening, which is genius. Yeah, Engineer. Okay. So we were on one tour, and this was our tour EP. <laughs> okay. And I don't know what they did to distribute this thing digitally, but it is the only thing of mine that is listed under all these databases. So that is whoever so is doing the digital distro for Engineer, you are a genius. <laughs> but I don't know why none of the other things that I've uploaded through my distributors well, aren't on there. Let's look at this, because there's another library app that I, that I don't particularly use. But you have two library apps? I have three library oh apps. Thank you I want to get them all. <laughs> Me too. Now. So this one's called Freegal, and this is... Since you guys are looking for rare Jonah B-sides and, and it's obscure EPs... There you go. Use your Freegal. Library, yeah. library. You're all over this one. Freegal. There you go. There's a whole bunch of you. Mm-hmm. And this is a library app, so you can you can you can borrow stuff and then it will return. And you're only allowed yep, Countryside is in there again. That yeah. little EP. And the and also, yeah, the Equal Vision people. I really feel like this must have been a time or something because I did a DVD CD thing called There's a Lot in Here, which is kind of a live thing. I have it. Around the time of the volunteers and that also is on every it was the first thing and is the first thing that comes up on Spotify and all that stuff still. So I don't know what I feel like it must be the time they uploaded it or something and where it kind of got set in amber because I've never figured out how to have more recent things it's, than this these two ten year old things be on these databases. It's like the library's it. programmer like is is it's like it's like programming a radio station. Like I had heard uh, one song by that that band, uh, the the Regrets, the Regrets. They're like fifteen, sixteen year old girls. And they did a cover of Fox on the Run, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is pretty good. I'll listen to this." And uh, look on the library app. Oh, there it is. <laughs> See if I like it. It's great. See but, all the, so all this like when you asked him yeah. what was depressing and 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 careers. This is all circling back to because we're discussing a library app now, and that things aren't worth anything. And that I don't even know how at the time when the artist should have the most control over what is available to everyone through this digital mothership, I clearly have the least control. And these two 10-year-old things are the only things showing up there. And I have no idea how to make that change. None. And it's just, it's a remarkable paradox to me right now. There's, the artist should have more control and, and an easier access to revenue than ever. Even if it is worth nothing, there should still be an easy way right. to get anyone who wants to pay for it to pay for it. And it's all, I don't, I don't understand it. So, what, what's, so what's, what's the, what's the answer? What's the water and solution? Uh, oh man! Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Oh god, sorry. he's sitting on it. Oh, Jeez, but, no, but, but seriously, I mean, is there is there like? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, there's no answer. There's no answer. No. When Napster um, first came out, someone said the smartest thing and said, "Far be it for anyone other than the music industry to screw the artist out of revenue." I don't know who said it, but it was so perfect. I started Joe Napster after Napster came out, where I. I I, I, when all this stuff was going starting to go for free, I just, I just started uploading MP3s to my little website back then and saying like, and again, you can pay what you want for these. This is way before, like iTunes didn't even exist. Um, it was uh, so I was I was trying. So I actually have tons of answers. I actually was part of a collective called uh, what were we called the Content Creators Coalition. I'm sure it's still going. It's like John McRae from Cake was a big proponent of it, and I was, it was the only time I've ever been in a meeting with Tom Waits that was easily Whoa. the coolest thing that ever happened. Um, 
But we're all sitting in a circle going, what do we do? Oh, he's the guy from, uh, the guy from Cracker, I believe. David uh, Lowry. Yeah. It was Lowry. Yeah, yeah. Because um, he's a lawyer, right? I think. Um, I th- yeah, so he was like, and everyone was talking about battling Spotify and fighting for musicians' royalties and fighting for our rights. And I just looked and I was like, look, you guys, why don't we just make a cool little service where we put our stuff on there and people can pay a, a subscription to it and they get access to this stuff of this collective of artists that they know they're buying from artists that are, the money's actually going to us and there's not a $30 million CEO payout happening. It's just all, it, someone pays seven bucks um, or even better, just we have micropayments now. Just go on a thing, and every time you listen to one of my songs, I get some, you know, some tiny amount of money. But that you'd think that's what would happen on Spotify, but it's not because everything's weighted, and there's all these different algorithms that no one can figure out, and no one really has access to because it's intellectual property. So there is an easy way around this. There's all the technology, and I'm not mad at you consumers and I'm not mad at you humans, but this is, I'm going to also circle back to the white supremacy thing. It's just, there's a lot of people who just kind of can't be bothered. They've got all the music they want. They're not really worried about what's happening on the other end of it. They're not really worried about the consequence of their, like the other side of their privilege. And I'm like that in lots of ways too. You know, I love my hot showers in the morning. I'm aware that those have to do with the press. You know, like I get how the world works. And there is just this sort of complacency. So there's not the will, there's not the collective will to do something interesting about this, but there's lots of things to be done and there's all the technology to do it. Um, and sometimes when I get really frustrated, I think, gosh, I should just go build a platform. You know, just kind of, I live near Silicon Valley. I could get some people together. And the sad truth of the voice in me is that people just don't give that much of a shit they're if it's not as good a deal as you know as walmart then they're not going to buy it yeah i mean that's just the deal it's just you know i use amazon i'm aware of amazon i understand and i still use it you know and it's fine it's it's just we're doomed it's cool (laughs) (laughs) there's really no there's no like fun answer to it it's just we're we're, we're lazy and we're doomed the book at the library like you literally could just go find it. Like you could just go find a download of it. Sure, that's my like, th- that's my third library app. It has a, a barcode scanner, so I'll like go to a bookstore. No, I'm saying and like I'm saying like you get in the argument with the lady. She's like, you have to wait. Like yeah. most people wouldn't wait. They just be like, okay, I'll just go to where I usually. Oh yeah, the fact that you even shit. yeah, the like, fact that you even have a conversation with a, no yeah, one even knows the librarian is anymore. You know, yeah, so it's yeah. not the, 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 that conversation is happening. That you have an app. I mean, I want to know how many people have that app because I can't imagine it's that yeah. many. Um, just me. Just, just, what you, My just mom has it. Does your mom have it? I'm sure she does. She's really into that kind of stuff. <laughs> I go to the library every day. Well, it's quite, it's quite a Venn diagram of someone who's savvy enough to have apps, but also still into libraries. <laughs> yeah. it's a, that's a real, that's a narrow <laughs> that subject. That is true. That is true. Yeah. I love And that. the frustrating thing to me with music now is like your main like music consumers are not us. It's like kids. Yeah. It's teenagers. But teenagers now grew up with like... I want like every single record that was ever made. Oh, like, my daughter, we boom. would or yeah. like I listen to music on YouTube. Take my daughter to school, <laughs> she would have she would be playing a song and uh, and she had, would have been playing that song like four times in a row in the last few mornings and and if I liked it, oh, what's this tune? Like who is this? She's like, and she would have no idea. She'd literally look at the iPod. She would love this song. She'd have a total relationship with it, but the she had been 
she would just trade her whole iPod right. with a friend. And her friend would just give her their 40 gigs of music. And that's the music she would listen to for a while. And so it was just a totally different relationship. I tried giving her a couple CDs for birthdays and stuff. They just literally sat on her shelf. Um, her her main music listening uh, really was YouTube initially. Before yeah. before Spotify and Pandora got going, she would just be dialing up stuff on YouTube. Um, it's just a very it's a very different sensibility. It's a very different relationship with it. And she loves music, I think, as much as I did. It's just. I think that the people, like way. the masses, used to have to buy it to consume it at all. Now yeah. you don't. They're the small people, amount of people who really get into it do eventually like go to the show and buy the merch. Or like there's kids now that are into like collecting vinyl or like those, like they're kind of silly, but the labels that like just put out cassette tapes mm-hmm. and kids buy those. Why? But God, it's a small amount of people. It's tiny, yeah. It's not. I think that it might the change might be that it's just going to be smaller. So I think it circles around to oh is it smaller, is smaller, yeah. but uh, and getting smaller. Like yeah. the yeah, it's no. I mean the 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 real the the myth of that whole equation because yeah, the whole selling point for for Napster on up was the music's going to be free now. You know, this is what the world decided for for musicians. Music's going to be free, you guys. We're not going to give you money anymore for music. So take that. And people are going to come to your shows and they're going to buy your shirts yeah. and they're going to do da, 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 da. And the simple math that, again, it's not, it's not difficult math to do. It's not that people can't figure it out. It's that people don't want to deal with this very obvious logic, which is that, okay, so let's say half the money. Let's say someone made 50 bucks, uh, you know, on music and 50 bucks on their show merch, just a nice little round number. If that 50 bucks is gone and they've got to make $100 now from the shows, that means that band has to, tour twice as much and if every band is touring twice as much then every club is overbooked and the fans even the most ardent fans if their band comes around once in a year they're gonna all go see him how many of those people are gonna go see him if they come around again not as many and so there's just this obvious math of that that was never a that was the total selling point that was the 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 rhetoric and it never made any sense financially well, and then then at a certain point every label was like you're signing a 360 deal yeah, anyway every label figured well, that right. out and so, the venues exactly. take a cut of everything exactly and, yeah. and you can't play this town because there's a festival happening but, and yep. so and you got your claws you got to, and, yeah, you yeah. can't do that no and all the and all the i mean and i don't i don't bemoan uh you know promoters as well because i mean they were getting overloaded with bands they were doing these big are still probably doing these big payouts that they can't afford and no one's coming out and 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 again, I'm going to insert the disclaimer. I'm not mad about this. It's just, I think I write in there that at one point during Gratitude, actually, Gratitude was doing a radio tour, radio promotion tour. We'd have this great meeting with everyone. Super fun. And we would leave. And literally two weeks later, the whole station would shut down and be replaced by talk radio or sports oh radio God. or whatever. It was just, it was, we were, we were like, it was, it was like one of those action movies. We were like running along the tundra with the storm, <laughs> like beyond us, it was just decimating everything in its path. And that was you were like, us. You were Johnny anti-seed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. And everything was dying. And that's when, yeah. And so I, I said that I felt like a coal miner in a world gone solar or something like that. And that's, and it's, it's true. It just, it's just, there's no money in it anymore. 
I mean, there's there's some money, but it's not. Yeah, it's all gone. It's all gone. Yeah, and that's just and that's coming for video as well. It's already happening in video, but that's just a question of bandwidth. It's not a question of people cherishing video content more than audio content. Oh, it's just that people can't get not. it as easily. Trust me, my wife. My wife still works at Fuse. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing. There were booking, I didn't know that there was a few she's still. She's booking bands. Well, you know what's funny is is not to... Uh, well, hell, she, my insurance still comes from that. But uh, they have a whole separate channel that's just all music videos and stuff called FM. And that's the majority of the stuff they do. Which is very odd to me because I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. Because I'm not, I'm not involved. It's like, I love music, got a job talking to people about music. And then when I had to, had to care, it kind of annoyed me. Yeah. So now that I don't have to care anymore, I can look at it from a different angle. And the fact that there's something out there that's a place that just plays music, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's comforting. I don't know people get compensated enough for something, but somebody had to care enough for it to be created. Yeah, and I'm, 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 I'm actually neither happy nor sad about this stuff. It's just, I like having actual conversations about things, whether they're systems of oppression or economies changing. I just like when people speak honestly about what's happening. I don't like this idea of like having to tell a story so we can still feel good about ourselves as consumers or producers or whatever it is. Let's just say what it is and let's just have a good look at that and see how it feels. But people don't like to feel bad and I, I get it. Um, and I don't like to feel bad either, but I don't feel bad when I think about it. I just feel like this is true. And when I feel bad is when I realize that I've been telling myself a lie to make myself feel better. That's a shitty feeling. Um, but looking at the way things are, it's just the way things are. Um, and I do recognize that a lot of people see it as kind of a bummer <laughs> because people tell me that they think I'm a bummer. No. Uh, you wrote this awesome book. And hey. I'm noticing on your book, there's no barcode. Where can nope, people get it? That, yep. They can get it from my website. From you. They can go to my website uh, and they can buy it out on sliding scale. Um, and yeah, love it. it's uh yeah, the first batch I really wanted to do totally DIY. Um, and I didn't, I've never liked barcodes. Um, but I can buy an ISBN code when I need it and stuff like that. So presuming I get through these, um, I will do another pressing, um, with some of the typos. It's all and, you, man. It's all me, man. It's uh that's, it, I'm lucky that that's always been really fun for me because it turns out that's the only reason I've survived is sweat equity is just kind of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I priced that book out. I did the ordering. I did the manufacturing. I did yeah. the mailing. I did the everything. I did all the goofy work. I made that little bookmark. Uh, it comes with a um, bookmark, which bookmarks are one of my favorite things. Yeah, I know. Me too. I was more excited about the bookmark than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like, I made a bookmark. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, that is the book. Um, and it's a, it's a sweet little thing. And you can't see it, everyone, but when you buy it, you'll see that they're looking, they're wrinkle looking things on the cover. And that isn't me on photo, in Photoshop. That's that my friend was going to design the art for this, for this cover, was going to design this cover and uh, wasn't getting it together and had to turn in the book. And so I ripped the cover off of a book of a, of a similar size and wrote on the inside of that cover of that book. So this is the inside of the cover of a book, I think called The Problem with Civilization. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's why it is the color it is. And when the spine is white, I didn't turn it white. That's actually the like the spine glue. And that's me writing oh. on the spine glue. 
Yeah, did you post this on Instagram? I feel yes, like this I, did. I told familiar. this little story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a, but it's cool if you guys go to Jonah's Instagram because you can see. Oh yeah, so I put the cover of the other book. Right. Yeah, that's right. So you can see the actual color of it. Anyway, yeah, that is my and little you're, book. And you're torn. You're torn yeah. about. You're doing doing your shows. Like yep. when you say you're doing some shows, it's like I'm doing a show here at a venue. I'm doing somebody's house. I'm doing. Yeah, this tour is a place called Ralph's Rock Diner in Worcester, a comic shop in Somerville. The 10th anniversary of a couple whose wedding I sung at and played at their 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 first dance uh, 10 years ago. Um, I played in their basement in Delaware. Um, and then I'm doing this, yeah, this little reading here. I'm playing another wedding thingy. Um, and yeah, this isn't me singing like Whitney Houston tunes, although Whitney's great, but I wouldn't be the one to sing those at a wedding. But it's people who grew up with the music that want to hear me play these songs at their wedding. Um, and it's really, really sweet. And so doing that, play a house show in Connecticut, come back and play Mercury, go up and do uh, a show in a church in Ithaca, New York, and then five shows in Canada that I think are more kind of regular clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this summer was two months. It was... 40 show summer in like 10 countries and stayed in maybe four hotels over the summer. I mean, it was all just staying with people and um, a lot of shows that just be yeah, booked personally. And um, that's, that's the little life. It's a, it's a very low cost, simple, hyper personal life. And yeah. And so the book is called alone rewinding and which is also an anagram for one line drawing. Um, <laughs> And uh, 23 Years of Fatherhood and Music. And it's about this. It's about that this has been my family and that this is my family. And my family is my daughter and, you know, my sister and my mom. And I have some really close friends. And then this group of people that just like the music because they've literally sustained me and still do. And, um, and yeah, so all of my doomedness, real talk aside, that part is just... Uh, that's been the best. It is the best. It's it's insane. It makes me so unbelievably happy that I've managed to have a life doing this. All right. Wow. Thank you so much to Jonah Matranga for coming by. Um, bringing it home. Bringing it home six years later. Uh, but we're not six years older. That's the crazy part about this. Yeah, we have not aged. Not at all. Uh, I have just as much hair. And I have the same mustache <laughs> as I did when I was 30 or 31. Uh, but yeah, definitely check out uh, Jonah's new book, Alone Rewinding. It's great. You can get it um, at jonahmatranga.com. Uh, you can join his mailing list. He's got this really, really cool website. But yeah, uh, and check him out live. Like he, Jonah still tours. He's, you know, uh, he was just out here in New York. Um, you can book a house show for him. He was talking about how he played, he's played a wedding and then he just played someone's 10 year anniversary of their wedding. Um, and he's got a couple house shows coming up in November and he's going to the UK in January. So if you're in the UK, um, definitely check that out. But, uh, yeah, read Jonah's book. It's fantastic. You should really support him. He's a really amazing artist who's good people, man. Yeah. Who's really in it for the art which is like not you don't find that many people like that these days everyone's trying to like network or build their brand or like whatever fucking get free yoga leggings or you know i I don't know (laughs) like 
I just feel like I'm inundated with <laughs> free yoga leggings. I don't, th- this is like a big thing. And this is like, I don't want to get into this whole thing, but like, this is a big thing in like the yoga scene where it's like, people are like, we'll like do some crazy pose and they'll have all these followers and they'll be like this like long post about like spirituality and like finding yourself. And then they're like tagging like eight clothing companies. Right, and right. it's like, what are, listen, I, I am a fan of free stuff, but it's like, that's one way to do things. And I feel like Jonah, I mean, it's funny, like even him talking on this podcast about turning down like all this money for a co-commercial. It's like, it's amazing. I was just the whole time he's talking, I'm putting myself, I was like, yeah, who cares? I would do it. (laughs) But it's like, I'm not, you know, like that. I I really respect that mentality. And like down the road now, it's so much fucking cooler that you didn't do it. You know? Yeah. Well, at the time, it's the way things were. We talk about that. Yeah. It's, it's a different, it's hard to understand, but it was just different. Yeah. And he did the right thing for the time for sure sure yes but uh yeah so yeah definitely support jonah check out his book uh thank you to all our patreon patrons of patrons on patreon.com slash going off track yes thank you to everyone who's donated via venmo and paypal um that's been very helpful and also thank you once again to pulse music and steven grywalski for engineering and helping us sound so good and yeah We'll be back with another episode. Um, Patrons, you'll get on Monday. Everyone else will get on Wednesday. Um, And I can't tell you who it is, but it's someone great that you'll love. (laughs) So talk to you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.